When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to episode 26 of Is This Place Haunted? Sorry, my cat is meowing so much, I actually might put her out the room. Did you hear that there? No, I actually didn't hear it. I was busy, yeah. like, I was busy buzzing about my ASMR. <laughs> it was, it was good. I actually didn't the name for a second. It's like... No, I was, I was adding <laughs> suspense, so it was the theatricals. You know what? <laughs> For this week, actually, it's technically it's n- it's not haunted. Although it is haunted, maybe it is haunted, but also it's a different type as well. Yeah, because um, anyway, how are you? I know we've we've already done our Patreon episode, so we know kind of how we're doing. But like for the general yeah. public, so for people who do want to have more of this kind of general chit chat, head over to our Patreon, three pound a month. It's patreon.com slash is this place haunted and you will have an extra episode every single week, which is a lot more than other podcasts. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, so anyway, I'm good. <laughs> How are you, Lauren? I'm good as well. I'm just like looking to find my notes. I thought my notes had gone missing there. I was like, oh my God. <gasps> yeah, my notes. My Can you notes? remember that week where you were like, our recording's gone? <laughs> oh no, I can't I did that. I know the panic and I give every... I was like basically having to like talk until the part the recording was there. Oh, I know that was That's so, so funny. So but it's when yeah. I lived in New Zealand, so it's like trying to find a space that we could both do it. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. that was that was a load of hassle. And apologies, apologies for that. Oh, um, don't worry. Which episode was that? I can't even remember at this point. It was Amityville. Oh God, that was a detailed one as well, or detailed ish. By my standards, yeah, um, because we made some cracking jokes in the first recording as well. That was like, oh, and also we did real quick. That was the most gutting part for me. <laughs> the hilarity, I know. I know. So, um, I so if you want us to talk about like if you want to listen to us talking about 
other shit other than this. Not ghosts. Do, do subscribe to Patreon. Um, I've actually got a super, just not to go right into it this week, but literally I've got quite an interesting episode. Listen, well, before we get into the episode, mm-hmm. I've got a couple of family tales. Oh my God, you want to do them? Will I tell them? Yeah, do it. I've got, a, I've got one at the end as well after I've done this. Fabulous. So my big sister has a, has a camera that looks into her back garden that is for like if somebody tries to burgle her shed or something because it's happened a few times before, especially the cost of living crisis. And so sometimes she's not a great sleeper. Sometimes she'll toss and turn because she'll be worried. So she falls asleep with the TV on. So she's asleep with the telly on. And she didn't like check the time. So she's like, when this happens, it could have literally been anywhere between midnight and 5 a.m. So she falls asleep and um, wakes up. And this is an important part of the story. She couldn't see without her glasses. She couldn't see without them on. And um, so she like looks up and there's a man standing at the end of her bed. And he's like, this has never happened before, ever, ever. And also... um, she didn't tell us initially because she was like, I genuinely didn't want anybody to think I was crazy. So she sees a man at the end of the bed and she's like, just looking at him. And she wasn't like threatened by him. He was just there. And he had like a beige jacket on. He had like white ringlets, was a little bit on the rough side, like looked a bit scraggy. And she was like, hmm. so she like picked up her phone and checked the back door with the camera just to check that nobody was actually broken in. And they weren't. I love, she, I love how she didn't jump out of bed immediately and was like, what? <laughs> well, can I pause two minutes? I'm just getting a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> two seconds. Two seconds. So she picks up her phone. This bitch has balls the size of bloody Alaska, but she checks her phone, checks nobody's broken in. And they hadn't. There was nobody there. So she rolls over and goes back to sleep. <laughs> she was That's like, if, if they're here and nothing's happened, I'm fine. And like out of curiosity, curiosity, she just turned back and looked, and the guy had gone. So she literally was like, "Am I losing it?" Like, yeah, didn't mention it to anyone. And then when she was with my mom and dad one weekend, she just kind of felt the need to ask, "What did your dad look like to my dad?" And so, like my sisters and I, we never met our granddads; they both died before we were born. So she asked my dad, "What did your dad look like?" And he described him as this like. Irish man who's not the guy that she saw basically and then she was like okay it's not him and then she just felt the need to ask my mum like what did your dad look like and she, Amanda said to my mum like oh did he have like a beige jacket and my mum stopped and was like yes that was like a defining thing like he had a beige jacket my sister thought it was a beige fleece and then my sister is as blind as you are. Like her prescription's really strong. So she was like, I couldn't see it, but I could see that he had like pale ring, like a uh, ringlet hair. Is that what his hair was like? And mom was like, yes. And then my sister said, and he had quite rough, like scraggly hair on the side of his face, like his facial hair. And mom was like, yeah, he had big sideburns. So she like basically described him. And my mom was like, I wonder if there's a photo somewhere of him. Like, because we don't know what he looks like. And he died when my mum was 18, so I don't think she's got a lot of photos left of him. Mm. She ended up going to, I think she asked a family member to send a photo on WhatsApp of what he looked like. And she showed my sister, and my sister was like, yeah, that was the guy that was in my bed. 
Oh my god. But my sister's going through like going through quite a lot at the moment. So we're wondering, was he like coming to check on her? And interestingly, I mean, I know we saw we saw a psychic and I was thinking we should do an episode about what the psychic said to us. But we saw a psychic and she said to me, one of the first things she said was, the granddad on your mum's side is is literally following like comes and checks on you guys. So who knows? That's so strange. I can't believe how nonchalant she was about potentially seeing somebody at the bottom of her bed as well. That is that literally sums my sister up though. That yeah, like that sums her up. She is she was just like if it's if it's if I'm safe, I don't care. And so she's like, I don't mind if he's coming to visit us. Like it, it didn't feel threatening. I think that's the important part. I think if it had been a random guy, she would have felt scared, mm-hmm. but she didn't feel scared. Yeah. And just like that. Yeah, it's weird that actually I have to say. I mean, they do say that you do get visitations when you're going through like hard times and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure I have, but again, I've been so blind I've probably not seen them as well. <laughs> like, and, and I think that that's like a really important part of it is the fact that she thought I can't see without my glasses. Mm. that makes it feel a bit more spooky do you get what I mean yeah yeah no it is that's really super strange oh my mm-hmm. god and and so she phoned that... me and told me and she went put that in your podcast and smoke it <laughs> and I was like listen I will be putting that in the podcast <laughs> that's going in honey um that is so weird um, and is that the sister well I don't, you don't need to know which sister it is but like is that the one that's got the haunted house in anyway um, this is the one whose house I recorded in. Remember so, those couple of times? Yeah, and you thought it was a bit weird in there, didn't you? Yeah, and she doesn't, but um, <laughs> I mean, her eyes tell me the opposite. But I remember going there to check because when she goes, when she's on holiday, I normally either like move, like move in, or go and stay a couple of nights just to to keep the lights and stuff on. Yeah. And she has alarms upstairs. And I remember when I was in it, like the alarm just upstairs, the motion alarm just started going off. And this, oh the my God, I would Honestly. And I can remember I just went up and turned it off and went, what? Like ran. <laughs> Do you know what I honestly... But see, I don't think any of... I remember I told you about my auntie's house that I think there's a couple of weird things that have happened there like recently that shh and then that other thing that happened years ago. But um, my mum said that her house is a bit strange at times as well. Like, she's had things pushed off, like, tables and things like that. Have I told you about that before? What? Yeah, mum said that she was, like, hoovering in one day or she was, like, cleaning the house. Sorry, my cat is actually harassing me at this point. Marmalade, I'm not speaking with you right now, right? <laughs> um. So, yeah, basically, um, yeah, she said that she was hoovering one day. And, like, her, her house is shaky. It's not like she's not got, like, a industrial size like hoover that's going to like shake the house or whatever but she, I'm sure she said to me a couple of times that like something was pushed off like she's got this old antique knitting uh, what do you call it um, sewing machine it used to be her, her grandmother's um which is fab um it's like an old singer and I'm sure there was something on that that got pushed off and then one time actually I hope mum's not listening to this she probably will listen to it because she does listen to it <laughs> Um, I took a picture with a flash on upstairs one night when I was staying over and I caught loads of orbs in my room. No, I knew you were going to say that. I did. Taking photos, I was like, no. And funnily enough, my mum's house is really close to, um, well, it's actually literally just off the road that I'm going to talk about tonight, uh, or today, sorry. Oh my God. But um, can I just like, can I just say something? Have you seen my nails? I've seen your nails, girl. I know I just want to give like a special special shout out right okay because I've never had my nails done before like literally never I, like, I know I remember when you told me that remember how shook it that was I know and 
I'm just that type of like do you know what I mean I'm not like a kind of like girly like I just I just don't just don't like do these types of things and then my brother and my and like, I keep calling her my sister-in-law she's not quite but she's the mother of my nephew and my brother's long-term girlfriend so I see sister-in-law she right? is so, like she isn't she is she is family now and um so yeah so they both got, got me um some vouchers for Christmas and I went got my nails done and it's the first time I've ever had them done properly and I have to say the experience was wonderful and I really recommend them I went to Siobhan who I think listens to the podcast by the way I think she does because I I am sure she is a regular on the polls yes thank you um I know your lovely polls that you put up all the time but um yeah she was like phenom um really really talented and I think she does my nails are like super basic but like I think like they were really well done um but like she does do like artwork on nails and um, so she's totally like check out if you don't already follow her on your list of podcasts you should check it out um yeah, I think sure. her, her instagram is sound.af.nails and it's like she works at cute but deadly nail salon so honestly guys if you want some fabulous nails get down there and I feel like this is a good opportunity to share the results of said poll that Siobhan voted on so we put a poll up on our Instagram of what is the best paranormal movie out of the four that I put up so it was Paranormal Paranormal Activity Insidious The Conjuring and The Blair Witch Project who do you think won? I'm going to say Blair Witch Project because I think it's an absolute classic I personally voted for The Conjuring which is good it was a four way tie there's the exact really? same quotes for all four. Oh my god. Who saw that coming? To be fair, Insidious is so crazy. Like I didn't really understand Insidious at all. Um Conjuring I liked really Insidious 2 good. though. Have you seen Insidious 2? I really no. like that. If no. you haven't or you haven't, or you have seen it and you don't like I haven't, it. I, I haven't seen it. I've seen the first one, I haven't seen the second one. Okay, the second one is by far and away the best Insidious. I will watch it with you. Yeah, my um, paralysis demon looks like a character on that, if you want me to show oh. you. I know, I think I know the character you mean, but I've literally, like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I watched Insidious with my friend Michael years ago, and I, I think at one point I was laughing. I was like, this is mental. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Watch <laughs> the second one. The second one is genuinely really, really good. There was, is there a bit where somebody's, like, tied up and has, like, a gag ball in? Or is that a total different horror film that we watched? And then Gary Oldman gets a horn out. Have you seen that? Are you sure that was a horror film? <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like it, but, like, actually <laughs> it was. There's this one bit where this girl is, like, strapped down to a chair with a ball gag in because they're trying to get the spirit out of her. I'm not even joking. It's not like a porno or that. And Gary Oldman brings out this horn to try and get... Uh, honestly, I'll need to... I wish I could remember I what it is. That's not insidious. I don't think that's insidious. Shit, it's honestly one of the funniest films I've ever seen that's supposed to be a horror film. It's so funny. But yes, my favourite was Blair Witch Project. See, I thought that... I, as an adult, think that's quite shy now. Oh, no, I still love it. I think it's Haven't, a good one. It's one of those ones that, like, if you're in the right... If you're in the right, like, mindset... That's not even the right word. Environment... Like, mm-hmm. if you have all the lights off and you're watching with other people and it's, like, the suspense, I can see what you mean. I just think there's better ones out there now. That's just how you. There definitely is. But I think it's just such an original and it's so it so well done. And it, do you know what I mean? It's just one of those ones. And I always think Paranormal Activity is, like, a rip off of that because it's the sort of home video, like, whatever. So, anyway, 
hundred percent. I mean, all very good films. Blair what? Blair Watch? Blair Witch walked so that Insidious could run. Do you know what I mean? That is true. <laughs> but no, watch Insidious 2. Watch Insidious 2 because it's by far the best Insidious. Okay, I will eventually. Maybe when you're here. I yeah. Really, yeah. I don't really watch skinny films myself anymore. Um. Anyway, so should we crack on at the episode? Let's do it. <laughs> right, so. Right, guys. Trying to think of things to do. And um, a couple of weeks ago, and I was thinking, right, I've actually got a plan of episodes this year. Last year, we were kind of winging it week by week, or at least I was. Whereas this year, I've got like but a like this year, same. I have I have topics in mind. We should just cross paths to check <laughs> not with the same topics because that's something we would do. We should. We should cross reference. Um, I don't think we do, but this is such a good idea. I'm so excited. Well, the reason why I picked this one, right, because basically, again, it's really... So when I, where I grew up, I grew up in the countryside in West Lothian and it was like really, really, really far out, right? So like kind of towards like almost like South Lanarkshire way almost, um, but not really technically. Anyway, um, so I used to, when, when I was young, I was super obsessed with aliens, with like cryptozoology, not cryptozoology. Yeah, that's the right thing. Cryptozoology and like anything to do with Bigfoot, aliens, all that kind of stuff. And um, I remember speaking to my mum and dad about it and um, I can't remember if my dad either told me about the article. He must have told me about it because it happened in 1992. Um, but a road that I've literally driven on a thousand times. Like literally I have driven, I used to go to uni and it was the same road where I saw that weird guy walking home one night. And I thought it was a ghost. Um, I've driven on the same road uh, like millions of times. And it's only about five minutes from my actual old house. So it's really close. My dad handed this article to me one time and was literally like, oh, did so do you know about the abduction that happened up the road from us? And I was literally like, what? <gasps> so this today, this week's topic is going to be on the incident on the A70 road. I've this never like, heard of this, apart from through you, like... Yeah, this is like one of the most famous UFO abductions in the whole of the UK. So it was like so convenient that I like literally lived like five minutes away from it and I'm obsessed with this type of thing, or at least I used to be incredibly obsessed with that kind of thing. Now I'm just like, of course aliens, aliens exist. Like, you know what I mean? The galaxy's ginormous. Um, yeah. But our, like West Lothian, and I'll, t- I'll talk about this towards the end of the episode, but like West Lothian in general has a bit of a kind of like, it's like a, it's almost like a UFO hotspot area. Oh, is it like a Melrose? Kind of, right? Right, yeah. Because not just, like, not only was the A70, like, people frequently see, like, UFOs up there and stuff in other areas, there's also been other incidents in West Lothian where people see, like, UFOs all the time, and there's been, like, abduction cases and everything. In Livingston, you're just like, what's with West Lothian? The aliens want to come down and study us. You're just like, what is with (laughs) Yeah. Look, babes. Don't be I'm saying the derogatory about I'm that. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. That, that literally think, sounded like a setup, babes. I, I think they said, I think the aliens actually are recorded as saying, we want to experiment on the best looking people in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> and most brainiest. Oh, here's my cat coming. Right, okay, so guys, I'll kick off. Did you make a face there? Because I wasn't looking at you. You're making a face about West Lothian people. No, 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 I wasn't. I wasn't. I was waiting for you to say something else. And then you said it was your cat. I was expecting something else no but like these jeep phones didn't grow on trees babe. So that's all i'm gonna say 
Right. Okay. So this happened. This is actually one of the most famous UFO cases ever to be officially reported. So the date of the incident happened in 17th of August, 1992. So I was only six years old when this incident occurred. I was not born. I wasn't even conceived. Okay, shut up. Um, (laughs) The location of the incident. Mind you, we're all going to die, so I feel less envious. Um, location of incident um, was on the, on the A70 road near Harpering Reservoir. Now, another side note, I've actually been down to the reservoir with my mum and dad, and there's quicksand around it, so beware, kids. Um, and, this t- and this is in West Lothian, or Lothian District um, in central Scotland, for our um, international listeners. Now, the A70 um, connects, basically, um, it's, like, from Edinburgh all the way down to, like, I kind of can actually almost to like South Lanarkshire, Glasgow way, but it's like a main road that you can take. It's like it kind of sprawls across like um like kind of like almost like marshy like lands, and you can see like the Pentlands as you drive by it and stuff. But it's one of the keywords if you want to come out of like Edinburgh, but you're coming via Balerno and, and like Junior Green and stuff like that. That's how you can get to like West Lothian, South Lanarkshire, blah, blah blah, up to um like Carlow and places like that. The terrifying E seventy incident was said to have happened on August um twenty seventh. 1992, shortly after 11.30pm. This was when ambulance technician Gary Wood, who was 29 at the time, and his friend Colin Wright, who was 27, were travelling between Edinburgh and Tarbrax. The two men were on their way to install a satellite system at their friend's house. I know, satellite system at 10.30 at night. I found that a bit sus, to be fair. I was like, why couldn't I like... Why went to Tarbrax? It's like, what? So anyway, their friend's house was in the small, isolated village of Tarbrax, which is literally two minutes from my mum's place. Wow. So, I'm, so it's like super nearby. So this is approximately about 30 minutes um, from where the men started their journey to eventually where they would get to. So they, they kind of like assumed that they were going to get there. If we leave at this point, and I think they were leaving at the kind of east side of Glasgow, I'm oh, sorry, west side of Glasgow, uh, Edinburgh, sorry. So that it would only take them like 30 minutes to get to there. And that's what they estimated. Um, on a side note as well, and I wanted to point this out, they were actually driving a Vauxhall Astra at the time, which is a pretty nippy car, even back in 1992. Mm. Um, so, I mean, judging for myself, that's that's pretty accurate. They probably got there less than 30 minutes if they were going on that road. Mm-hmm. As they pass, and I'm, by the way, I'll put pictures up on Instagram of exactly what the road looks like. Um, you'll know what I mean. It's like, really desolate there's only like a few houses on it it's a really long stretch of road and I'm gonna like say again I have driven this road at midnight myself by the way several times um so on that road there is also the Harpering Reservoir Harpering Reservoir um and this incident happened just as they passed that apparently as they were driving along Colin who was on the passenger side noticed that in front of them there was some strange object that couldn't make out what it was until they got closer at one point he said what on earth is that gary looked up in the direction colin was pointing and hovering about 20 feet above the road was a shiny black three-tiered disc-shaped object and they estimated roughly it was about 30 feet wide oh my god there was no like sound coming from the thing. Um, it was completely silent, just hovering above the road. So obviously they sort of slowed down slightly to see what it was. Because mm-hmm. the guys, obviously it was at nighttime and stuff, but the guys could clearly identify that it wasn't a helicopter or any other kind of aircraft. Um, so both men 
obviously frightened by what they could see because they couldn't understand what it was, um, decided to pure, let's just get out of here. Apparently, Gary had considered doing like a U-turn and literally like heading back to Edinburgh because they were so frightened by what they saw. Um, but instead, he thought, oh, "Fuck it, I need like I need to deliver the satellite dish or whatever." So he <laughs> ten at night. <laughs> I, I, so it's like this guy needs to get Sky. So he put his foot foot to the floor. And by the way, see Sky in the nineties was super expensive. By the way, so to have that entire bracket was mm-hmm. quite, quite a thing. Um, so Gary put his foot to the floor and shot off. So we tried to drive basically underneath the object to try and get past it and like kind of outrun it and stuff. As they were trying to get past it, somehow the object just quickly um, basically caught up to them. Their car then came to a stop. And as the object became closer to, and as it came closer to them, it basically emanated this hazy, shimmery, like light mist over the car. Oh my God. Um, and it slowly came down. As this happened, and this was in a matter of seconds, the guys basically fell into like what was described as complete darkness. Um, Gary was said to have said that they he literally was, it was so black, they couldn't see Colin, he couldn't see anything around him. It was like, he described it as being as he thought he was dead. And that was like the end of it. This, like, Can you imagine the fear you must feel? Yeah. So basically, the both men blacked out, and that's what they described the scene. Seconds later, and we're talking seconds later, both men seemed to regain their sight, and both completely startled by what happened, began to drive like erratically. Um, basically, the whole car. Um, Gary said he was on the opposite side of the road. He was no longer on the left side, but the right side. So they had to basically get back on the right side of the road and speed off, and then they're on their way to Arbrax. And Colin describes Gary as driving like a madman. They were clearly both really upset at what just happened and or couldn't understand it and stuff. So they finally, um, instead of just being like, let's go back to Edinburgh, they decided to continue to drive to Tarbrax and get there as fast as possible. So they finally arrived there, um, very, very shaken. They pulled up to their friend's house, um, which, by the way, side note, Tarbrax is just like little mining cottages. They're just like tiny little, like, it's like literally for miners that used to work in that area. So it is a very isolated uh, community because it was like near a pit. Um, but they're, they're beautiful wee houses. And, you know, it's a lovely area now, especially after it's been refurbed. Um, so they finally arrived in Tarbrax. And as Colin began to unbuckle his seat to get out of the car, he realised his seatbelt was already undone. Both men, again, were clearly distressed. <laughs> Although I did laugh when I read this. So they got out of the car and they walked towards the, uh, <laughs> they walked towards the, their friend's house, um, both shaken up. But Colin actually got the satellite dish out of the car. <laughs> so one of them you walked the So although they were perturbed, they were like determined to get the satellite dish up. Anyway, they banged on the door for ages. It was obviously really, really dark, even at the time of year where they were going, because this was like, you know, it was like half in at night, like obviously the sun had started to set or whatever. Um, eventually, um, the occupiers came to the door. Now, I thought it would be Ian who was Ian's, um, who was Colin and, and um, Gary's friend. But it was actually his partner, I think, um, Katrina, that opened the door. And that was what was officially one of the books I read about this. So Katrina opened the door and she was like, where have you been and they were like what do you mean we literally just left Edinburgh even though they were like proper like freaked out or whatever and she says um you're an hour and a half late 
they were like we were literally we've just left the house so the men were even more startled by this and eventually Ian came to the door and stuff and he was like and Gary and Colin decided right let's just come in and we'll tell you what happened to us because like both of them were like obviously upset confused didn't know what happened so um Katrina so they basically told them all about like what the incident what they'd seen they even drew pictures and things like that like of, of the object that they saw and then they basically couldn't account for the time that it had taken them because they, they literally thought they'd just left Edinburgh and this was like an hour and a bit later on and stuff. They, there's actually been loads of interviews and loads of investigations about this at this event and like on the TV and stuff. So Katrina had stated that having known um, the men for many years, she in no way thought they had been lying about this event because they were just so convincing. And she says they knew it like they wouldn't bullshit something like that had happened to them or they couldn't explain it. Um, and years um, years later, she even like gave an interview on Michael Aston's Strange But True, which was a big show in the 90s about this type of thing. I don't know if you were old enough to watch it, but I did. And they basically um, said that like the guys were so convincing, like the whole story was like, they had to believe it. So after regaling Ian and Katrina about their ordeal and eventually, um, and they decided they would like not fit the satellite dish and they would just like head home. Um, they chose a different route, however. They didn't go back through the A70 because they were obviously fearful that something might happen again. So they took the longer route back to Edinburgh via the A71, which is another road I take quite often. Um, and that's how they went back home. So they finally got to got back home that night. They were safe and stuff, but things were never really going to be the same for either of them. Gary said that he woke the next morning feeling fatigued. He said that he, he, he basically couldn't get out of bed because he was like, his body just seemed to feel so heavy. Like he, he was exhausted from the night before. And it could be because he'd been driving all night. He said that through the night, he actually began suffering from like nightmares and for like days afterwards as well, they had like they just had really irregular sleeping patterns. The pair of the guys. Um, one night it was said that Gary actually found himself he was walking like sleepwalking a mile away from his house. God what? knows how nobody stopped. <laughs> yeah, like he had really. I know. Really um, Gary also um after this point he also developed like super awful headaches so much so that he actually went to the doctors with it. The doctors conducted like a cat a cat scan on him, and they also did a spinal tap to see what was going on. If it was something in his like, I don't know what spinal taps are. You probably explain it to me, but I know that they're roughly to check stuff. But he said that there was absolutely nothing wrong with him, but still the headaches consisted. What really, and both men were suffering from like the same kind of like symptoms, like restless, less restless sleep. They were having nightmares, headaches, all kinds of things. So what really bothered the men, though, was actually not really the after effect of, like, what's happened to them or, like, how their symptoms days later, but it was, in fact, the, the fact that they could not explain this time shift. Like, they'd left the 10.30 and, well, what could have happened? And they knew themselves. They're like, oh, let's, it must be a UFO. There was, we must have been abducted. Now, they started to tell people, like, their friends and family about this. They told them about the event. They told them about the unexplained time. But, like, no one, like, actually believed them. Um, apart from obviously Katrina and Ian because they were like literally witnesses and if the guys were being honest about the time that they'd left there's no way they could explain that time difference unless they pulled over and peed for like an hour and a half so the guys became kind of like obsessed about what had been happening what had happened to them so they started doing research they started like um, investigating all these like American incidents that happened with UFOs to try and explain it um, 
basically as they researched it more and more Gary had said that he started to have dreams that were involved in these like little grey humanoids and he couldn't get the like he couldn't shake it off and it kept getting worse and worse but like again it was like almost like a nightmare um, circumstance so eventually sorry that's gross that's horrendous I don't imagine Imagine having nightmares like every night about like we like we aliens and stuff. So obviously the guys they became like kind of obsessed with it, as I say, and then they were like researching and getting and one thing they they did as well, that both Colin and um Gary used to drive out again to the A70, like to try and like basically with their cameras to try and like take pictures of what they saw and seeing if they could like find some answers because obviously like they just couldn't explain it and stuff and there was obviously things in the back of their subconscious that was coming forward but they just didn't know what to do with it kind of thing and nope not be me not, i know i'd hate that to happen to me um so anyway within their research this actually led them to reach out to a guy called malcolm robinson now he's the creator of the strange phenomena investigations known as spi um malcolm is like quite a uh what's the word like prolific like um like paranormal investigator like he takes it like super serious and he originally set up this research like group um to sort of disprove strange happenings like he was a lot more like of a cynic and kind of like wanted to he was interested in the subject matter but like kind of wanted to disprove it a lot of it was bullshit um so he's like done a lot of research into things like loads of ufo abductions and like poltergeist incidents and stuff um but because he is so involved in these types of things, he's actually over time become like completely convinced that there is something out there. Like the world is not as it seems because he's seen so much evidence. He's also had like a like a number of books out that you can actually read. I've read one of his books, which is about this particular incident. But he's also done things about the Soki Poltergeist, the Deathman UFO sighting, which I'll do in a later episode. And obviously, the big Kuna, the monster of Loch Ness. He's, I think I read somewhere that he was like the first man ever to go in a submarine to the bottom of Loch Ness to search for Nessie. So he's committed, to say the least. 100%. So um, the guys reached out to... Um, to Malcolm or Gary reached out to Malcolm and they they had like an in-person conversation and basically by the end of the conversation Malcolm was convinced that something had happened to the two guys they were so traumatized by the event they were so sincere in what they had experienced and stuff like that and he was convinced he actually said um in another podcast that I was listening to about this called Somewhere in the Skies if anyone wants to check it out they do specifically things on UFOs Robinson describes how Gary called him and explained about the E70 incident and Malcolm said that his initial thought was that this tale was head and shoulders above anything he'd ever seen before. So eventually after meeting the two guys, hearing everything and hearing about the dreams that they'd been having and things like that, Malcolm convinced both Gary and Colin um, to undertake hypnotic regression therapy. That They did have subconscious memories but they just weren't able to sort of tie them all together. The two men um, would take separate sessions from each other, so it wasn't at the same time, and they actually took part in multiple sessions. Um, what came out at the end of it, to summarise, is that both men basically regaled through their hypno- like their hypnotherapy sessions the same exact details. Um, there were some nuances between them, which we'll go into in a second, but like more or less it was the same thing. 
Um, Malcolm enlisted with the guys a qualified hypnotist and psychic who was part of his um, sort of paranormal investigator group called Helen Walters. Um, she was able to place both men under hypnosis. Gary, though, unlike Colin, was a little bit like he wasn't susceptible to the hypnosis at first. So his first session, he basically was like, he he was more emotional and he kept bursting into tears and stuff but he couldn't like remember anything specific like he only had like vague images and impressions in his head around about what had happened that night um but as they kept doing more sessions gary became a lot more like vocal about what he'd experienced um as well as the like emotion that he was feeling attached to so what i'm going to go over now is kind of like it's like uh, I've put, brought together like multiple sessions in one to so just give you the highlights of what Gary and, and Colin like basically came out in the sessions. I'll also put a link, by the way, in our um, our show notes to the book and stuff if you want to actually read the full thing and read all the transcripts and stuff of what happened. So like you said, um, the car was driving and a light hit them, like the mist that we were talking about, this sort of shimmering mist hit the car. They then said that they were approached by six humanoid humanoid beings there was three on each side Colin recalls that Gary was placed into a stretcher type thing but none of the entities were actually holding the stretcher it kind of just like floated back like up towards this like strange craft that they were on Gary doesn't remember that part part he said that where he was like got on the stretcher um but he does recall the creatures approaching the car he felt this seething pain in his abdomen as they approached it was like his stomach muscles were contracting or they were being torn apart I guess it feels like he says you know if you've ever been electrocuted your muscles all cramp up and it's really painful um you can't seem to let go of it and he said it was exactly like that like they were kind of being like electrified by what was approaching them in contrast to Gary who basically apparently got put in a stretcher right away and carried off into the the thing. Colin remembers walking up a ramp into the craft, which was lit by a dazzling white light. He remembers being in a circular corridor, being led by one of the creatures. The room they entered was utterly featureless, except for an unusual chair. It was curiously curved, almost organic in in shape. He was stripped naked and placed unresisting into the chair and subjected to some form of non-intrusive physical examination initially. He also remembers like lying back in the chair as if it almost was like turning into like a bed and stuff. And as he looked up at the ceiling, it was corrugated and translucent. So obviously he remembers being naked, um, but then also he remembers being like placed in a like a transparent container made from material material like glass or perspect. He had straps on his feet and around like around his ankles. And blowing around outside the container was a mist-like substance that he described as a fog or like a dry ice effect. He saw alien beings approach his container. And as they got closer, the perspex like seemed to frost up, like it was being like iced as they got closer to it. While imprisoned in the glass container, a device that had a triangular head and two red lights rose from the floor to scan him. Colin frighteningly recalled that his right eye was was also being examined um, by one of the aliens holding a red hot poker. 
He said he felt this pain in the centre of his eye and it felt like his brain was swelling as it was happening. Gary, who was also placed in a similar scenario, said that he remembered buzzing around him and a black lens that examined his body. He also remembers a hole forming in the floor. It was filled with this viscous liquid and some weird gel substance. Gary recalls later standing in an empty room when a hole opened in the floor and in front of him it was filled with the same viscous gel like liquid next to a pool and a three-foot column raised from the metallic floor. Um, a segment of the column extended to him until it was about uh, until it reached about eye level. At the tip of the column were two glowing red dots. It was at this time that Gary would hear the sound of something mechanical beginning to operate and it spun up like an electric motor round him and it seemed to vibrate. Out of this pool emerged a tall yet deathly thin creature. He said it was very frail and emaciated. Gary could sense it was in a great deal of pain. And later on, Gary also regaled a session that the pool was basically a form of medical treatment for the creatures. Apparently, the aliens struggled to like cope with the Earth's gravity and atmospheric pressure. And as such, it had to like basically treat itself with this weird gel substance. Like hydrotherapy, but like alien style. Yeah. Sorry. They're like they're basically they're they're like tails are like so detailed it's hard to get like an actual kind of like you know like what do you call it yeah get it in order and stuff but these are some of the key things. Gary also said at a certain point uh, they were taken underground from the table where he was laying. He could see tunnels leading off from huge from a huge central chamber, which was made seemingly out of solid rock. There was also an enormous machine machine close to him. Possibly it was another flying machine, like the one they had witnessed above the road, but they couldn't be sure. Gary also stated that um, one of the most worrying memories was seeing a young, girl, a young woman seated naked on the floor, facing the wall. One of the tall creatures, because there was different types of aliens, one of the taller creatures was standing beside her. As Gary looked at her, she turned her head towards him. Her hair was loose in a like in a loose shaggy perm with blonde highlights, very specific <laughs> and very nineties. She was incredibly nineties. She, <laughs> she's like fucking like. Um, <laughs> she was sitting shivering with her knees drawn up to her chin. Her arms were wrapped around her knees, cradling herself. She had been crying and was also clearly had been like abducted in the same manner that they were. He is convinced that if he ever saw her again he would definitely recognise her instantly. Gary remembers there being around like 20 to 30 creatures present. The majority were tall, a pallid grey colour and very frail looking. One notable variation from this was the smaller, rather bizarre looking beings. They had odd heart-shaped faces. And on their faces as well was like a strange familiar marking. These comprised um, coloured facial stripes, three and diagonally on each cheek. He said they were reminiscent of the tribal markings normally associated with members of like the Native American tribes. Bizarrely, and I just think this is weird, bizarrely he also recalled a small man, apparently really human-like, dressed in a neat black suit, complete with collar and tie, who was watching everything that was happening. He was standing among the entities, all of which seemed quite differential towards him weird 
it's kind of like men in black vibes right yep a little bit like daddy what <laughs> always and <laughs> um, the hypnotist actually asked gary did you like what were the aliens what did they want from you after a few moments of silence gary re- replied sanctuary while he was in a sort of telepathic communication with the creature he was able to see fragments of the existence of their existence as if the process was like a two-way street the, the creature found this amusing but couldn't prevent it from happening he also added to the hypnotist they want to come here basically i think there was some sort of like they must be like i mean this has been described in loads of like different like ufo stories and stuff where there's like been telepathic connection between the two beings but what the alien said to him was um the human race basically in many ways is more advanced than us but you've been capped our existence is much like your own we also have the same concerns and needs so it seems like the aliens kind of like wanted to they want to learn from us but they also see the planet as a sanctuary so that's interesting interesting also interesting that they like acknowledge that we have very similar like needs Mm. weird it's strange so basically gary also described in his in his sessions that he saw other people in the craft like other like loads of naked people in capsules and things like that um he remembers seeing this obviously this other woman with the blonde hair um colin also said that he saw like and within these box containers multiple people all at the same time all naked being experimented on this was also in the book that malcolm had said he also said um he's at one point there was like a short fat podgy girl that's how he described her by the way no me with black like hair a- like a human girl with black hair, who was moving around freely. She ran towards the taller grey beings, which then put his arm around her to comfort her. He estimated she was between eight to ten years old. The tall grey being was disturbing. It had, he said as it was, like, comforting the girl, it had a snake-like neck that would, like, wrap around while looking at her. He said she'd clearly also been abducted at some point, but was obviously free to walk around. I was thinking, by the way, I was like, small, fat, podgy girl, 8 to 10. I was like, was it me? <laughs> I literally lived down the road. Oh, my God. So there was all types on the on the craft. So after they were experimented on and their ordeal was over, they actually just basically um, were carried back to their car. So unlike what I thought initially when I heard the stories that they were somehow beamed back in, he said that... Um, Basically, that both aliens dressed them and basically carried them back and placed them back into their car. When Ka- when uh, Gary and Colin were returned to the car and they woke from this experience, they said that they found objects strewn about all across the place, like their car had been totally messed with. And there was this weird white crystallization across the whole thing. And he said that Gary had said that the car as well was like really weird for weeks and it didn't work properly. So basically, the aliens dropped them off, went back into their car, and went back into their car <laughs> and, like, left them, and that's when they regained consciousness. It's wild to think that this amount of detail came out of hypnosis that apparently happened in seconds. Like, in what? their heads, it was seconds. And the fact that it was, like, under 
like hypnosis like it was technically like is unconscious mind or subconscious mind so basically yeah so that's kind of like some of the some of the experiences or what they think they experienced that night it's pretty disturbing now after these sessions as well um more and more like more definitive um the more definitive the actual like experience became so with every session they were getting clearer and clearer if you do want to read um malcolm's book around about the ufo incident he actually has like they have the full transcript of the hypnosis that happened but he also has like after the fact interviews with the guys where they go into even more detail of what happened and there was too much to like have like on the podcast and stuff but i suggest that if you want to read it it's only 2.99 on amazon but yeah so weirdly though this wasn't the only incident that happened to these men so gary had said that he recalled years and years ago um, when he was about 11 or 12, he was walking towards a scouts meeting in Edinburgh. And um, this is not far from Duddingston, I think, high school. Um, he said that he was walking with his friends and they looked up and on top of a roof of somebody's house, they had seen this weird humanoid shape. He said it wasn't like the aliens that he'd seen, but like not far removed from it. Gary also had like really continued to have incredibly strange things happen in like in his, in his house and stuff he said in um in 1996 he said that he woke up one night to see at the bottom of his bed there was like one of the greys as he refers to them which is one of the like the smaller aliens he said that he tried to wake up his wife but he couldn't he said he leaped out he ran to the bottom of the bed and he literally punched the alien in the face <laughs> He said that the alien collapsed to the floor in shock and then basically got back up and then ran towards Gary. And he said when this happened, he passed out again. I think Gary is like, maybe seems to have like more, I think he's like more connected to this whole thing or it feels like he is because one thing um after after they'd gone through all this like research they did a lot of tv stuff and they'd obviously done the interview with Malcolm and his book and things like that um Gary continued like to become like a researcher like he's like he became super obsessed with UFO things and stuff like that and and did loads of stuff um whereas Colin is kind of like less like he wanted to get away from it all and didn't like want to be involved in it um but as I said, they also um, they did a lot of TV after this became like a big sensational story and it was like publicised throughout the UK. Um, and as part of the a BBC programme um, based on this, Gary had apparently agreed to do a polygraph test on the whole thing. Like, and he went through and he was asked like key questions and stuff. Um, and he passed it. So he passed the lie detector test. This was such a shocker, right, that it was actually investigated independently by the Ministry of Defence. Um, this, this can actually be like um, viewed now as well, because in 2012, it was officially released to the public. Um, so you can like see the report in full. But this is the one and only case that um, was ever or had been at the time ever investigated independently by the Ministry of Defence because it was so shocking. So, yeah. So, as I said as well, Livingston isn't the only place as well that, like, sorry, the A7A isn't the only place that's experienced, like, UFO hauntings, UFO hauntings, UFO experiences like this. Um, (laughs) And there's a really famous case as well called the Deathman UFO um, 
abduction or whatever. And this happened in 1979 again. Um, basically, a guy called Bob. I'm going to do a full episode on this, so I'm just going to like breeze over it. But a guy called Bob was checking the woods up around Deckman Way, if you know West Lothian, for stray sheep. And this was before like Livingston became like the me- mecca of like shopping that it is today. So it was mostly just like mining villages and like like woodland and fields and shit like that. So he was looking for like some stray sheep and basically he came across this like strange like UFO like like object in the woods. And somehow he was like attacked. Like he was knocked over and he was covered in burns and things like that. Um and he couldn't walk after what happened. So we had to crawl back to his house. Um and this was a really highly documented case as well that took part in Livingston um, with like loads of coverage and things like that. So we'll definitely do an episode on that. As I said before, like after all this happened, um, Gary became super obsessed with like actually getting involved in this. Like he collaborated with another Scottish um, researcher called Ron Halliday and has produced like a lot of like different research on the on the subject matter. And again, as I've said before, Colin was obviously so traumatized by the event that he just never wanted to be involved in it again, especially after all the TV stuff they did. So that is in summary, I do have a couple of other things to talk about, but that is in the summary of the E70 UFO abduction. Thoughts? Oh cool. How did how is this not better known? I don't know. I mean, I knew about it because obviously I'm local and stuff like that, but I think it is a pretty famous case. I think it's just probably it's I mean, just it's so specific. Was... Everything's super specific and like detailed. Yeah, that's a good point. So obviously a lot of people can, like, I think a lot of people are cynical about the case as well because I think initially they couldn't come up with, like, lots of ideas about, like, you know, it was all vague memories and stuff. But over time, the men started to come out with more and more sort of vivid detail about the actual abduction itself. So mm-hmm. somebody made a point is, like, well, the guys were doing lots of research as well yeah. as doing whatever. So were they being influenced by like other like yeah. other UFO stories? Were they just like was there like common denominators between the two stories and that was where they were getting it from from the research? Were they kind of kidding themselves? Were they deluded? Like all that kind of stuff. Um also it's it's uh, to point out as well. Um, just outside Kirk Newton, which is like one of the side roads that you, you if you want to get to Kirk Newton, you one of the first roads you come to, if you go right, um, there's actually an air base there that was used by the US military um at one point to test like new military vehicles and things like that, or like air vehicles and stuff. So there's also a possibility. Sorry. Say no more, you've sold me <laughs> on aliens. So, but also that's another, like, because it's so nearby where the incident took place, potentially it was like some sort of weird aircraft, but I don't yeah. know. Man. Do you know what went through my head? Mm-hmm. Were they looking at that satellite dish and because the perspective was completely off? <laughs> they thought the sky dish was a UFO. Yeah, they kept <laughs> looking at it like, oh my God, I think there's a UFO in the back. Keeping up the whole sky, but it's really on the roof. I'm telling you though, I've watched interviews with these guys and they do not come across like they're like bullshitters. There's sincerity there, there's a real trauma. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like they're making trauma behind like the fact that like it took a while for to work things out as well, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. But there is, yeah, so that's the famous um UFO sighting. Now I've actually got a personal story that I want to tell you about. I've actually got two. Now do you want me to do it on this episode or will I save it for another episode? 
up to you do you want to save it for a sinister sessions or it's up to yourself let's i'll tell you what let's save it for a sinister sessions but this is really well connected because it's a similar experience both from one of my family members Wow. And from one of my former neighbours down the road. And this all takes part in the same area that the story took place in. <gasps> so there you are, honey. That is the UFO incident on A70. Don't drive that road late at night. That's all I'm going to say. That is such a teaser for the next Sinister session- Sessions as well. <laughs> I know. And by the way, I stay at my mum's house, um, who just lives down the road from Tarbrax. And I'm not kidding. Like, I've seen some weird shit in the sky there. You have? Mm-hmm. Can we go alien hunting? <laughs> I'd love that. I love like honestly, and that is the that's the place to go. The A seventy is so desolate, like you could literally camp out there. You know, my brother camped out on that road one night with his friends. Is he alright? What's he thinking? Oh, I think they just wanted to go and smoke fags or something like that. I like, you know, away from prying eyes. Doing a less galactically air taken area. <laughs> I was going to say, that was actually Fern's brother and my brother went and camped on the E70. How wild is that? Oh, they're braver than I am. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my story. I hope it wasn't too complex or whatever, but like it was, that's mm-hmm. it. So if you want to do more research, I will add it, loads of stuff into the show notes. That was fabulous. Thank you, Lauren. On behalf of everyone listening, that was wild. I'm actually a little bit creeped out. Don't ever really drive down that road though myself, so... A plan to keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, keep Unless your eyes. Really on, keep your eyes on the skies, guys, because like a paz, like, aliens really love coming here, and who knows what's going to happen in the future. Who knows, indeed. But yeah. listen, listen, this is a good like if you're watching this in the future and it's not when it just comes out, or if you're watching it when it comes out, look out for our next sinister sessions because Lauren's going to tell the story there. We should do that like next week. We've not done a sinister sessions in a while. Sessions next week. That is just added a spanner in our works. On that note, if you do have a story that you'd like to be in a sinister sessions, you now have a week from the time this episode's released. Send it to us. Please do. We want to hear about your UFO experiences. Mm -hmm. Send us all the spooky stories. As always, give us a follow on Instagram at Is This Place Haunted and our Patreon is patreon.com slash is this place haunted. Thanks guys. Tune in next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.